Hello, and welcome to the Community IT Innovators Technology Topics Podcast, where we discuss nonprofit technology, cybersecurity, tech project implementation, strategic planning, and nonprofit IT careers. Find us at communityit.com. Thank you for joining this Community IT Podcast Part 2. You can find Part 1 in your podcast feed if you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I want to welcome everyone to the Community IT Innovators webinar, Nonprofit IT, A Look Ahead. My name is Carolyn Woodard. I'm the Outreach Director for Community IT, and I'll be the moderator today. My name is Matthew Eshelman, and I'm the Chief Technology Officer here at Community IT. My name is Noura Abuki. I'm a senior consultant at Community IT. Hello, everybody. I'm Patrick Spray. Um, up until the end of 2022, I was the business IT manager and led our, our team of um, IT managers uh, focused around the practice, around um, client IT management, IT roadmapping, and IT consulting. And then just recently, I was promoted to, to be the director of information systems and technology. So I'm also looking ahead um, and looking to plan for community IT's uh, internal IT um, for the next few years as well. So, you know, I'm I'm speaking about this, but I'm also learning about this as well. How cutting edge are you? So we accept crypto donations, for example. Option one. Option two. We use AI tools and are start or are starting to use them this year as they become more and more, you know, in the news. Um, now, option three, we start we start using cybersecurity tools as soon as they come on the market. So we're very cybersecurity for, forward. Four is we love open source platforms and custom apps. So we're building our own stuff. Uh, option four, we are on all the social media platforms you've never heard of, but your kids use. So we're very forward in terms of social or uh, option six is not available or we are Luddites and we admit it. So I'm... I'm firmly in that that camp in terms of my own technology, and I'm happy to admit it. Um, so, Nora, would you mind reading the results? So, 50% of our respondents are Luddites. Uh, so, uh, you're not alone. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we do have uh, 27% actually use cybersecurity tools, and uh, they want to they start using cybersecurity tools as soon as. They are on the market, so they are early adopters. Uh, then followed by 19%, uh, we have two in that category. Some use AI tools uh, uh, and or are starting to use them this year. And then some use open source platforms and custom apps. Uh, then we move on to 12% uh, that are on social media platforms you never heard of. Uh, and then lastly, there there's 4% that actually accept crypto donations. So that's quite a revelation. So good. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, everyone. All right. So now we're going to move on and talk a little bit more about some uh, more specifics about IT. We're going to spend about five minutes on each of these topics, um, taking questions and talking about how IT and nonprofits now relate to these different topics. We have about six topics and three speakers. So I think I'm going to ask um, Matt if you would like to go first. I promise we would talk about um, some more cybersecurity issues. Issues. So we have two topics for you, crypto and blockchain and cyber. 
Um, great. And I'll try to be concise because uh, I think there's lots of other great stuff here. So, I mean, I do think, you know, cybersecurity continues to challenge organizations, um, you know, due to the, you know, ongoing rise in cyber crime and then the associated spike in cyber liability insurance. I know we're dealing with that as, as a company, uh, having our uh, renewal rate uh, triple. Um, now, you know, we'll talk a little bit more in detail about some cyber in, some cyber incidents as part of our incident report that we're currently working on, and that webinar will be in April. But I mean, I think I I am able to say that you know on the crypto side or the um, you know cybersecurity side, we are seeing uh, the impact of tool adoption helping to reduce the overall number of incidents. And so I think that's something clear as we get more clients on more of the advanced, particularly email security tools that really drops. Uh, you know, the the number of things that are getting reported into us. Uh, and again, multi-factor authentication, that adoption has really um, been impactful in terms of reducing the amount of compromised accounts that we're seeing. Uh, however, we are seeing that, you know, overall, uh, you know, wire fraud and kind of financially based uh, crime uh, is up kind of, at least for our organizations year over year. So I think, you know, kind of on that uh, cyber crime, uh, you know, cybersecurity side, you know, things, uh, you know, there's there's many, many different elements to that discussion. Um, but, you know, kind of the big trends that that we see are uh, really cyber liability insurance and kind of the associated cyber crime really driving technology tool adoption uh, as a way to help uh, reduce costs and help protect the organization. Um, and again, the implementation of more tools really uh, is effective in terms of providing uh, protection and reducing risk. Um, I will say, so kind of talking a little bit about like uh, in the blockchain or cryptocurrency world of things, uh, I think the sheen of that as a platform, I think, has really started to wear off, uh, you know, with the implosion of FTX, uh, you know, in general, cryptocurrency prices collapsing, you know, it's clear that it's not a, flit, a hedge against inflation. Um, and so I think some of this idea, the ideal of cryptocurrency really has um, has worn off. And again, the economic impact or the, uh, you know, uh, consumption to generate it, I think, is really uh, people are looking at that with a lot more critical eye. And for most organizations, I think that, you know, that we work with that represent kind of the small to mid-sized nonprofit space, the idea that you're going to build something on blockchain is just, uh, you know, it's just not the right tool. You know, you need a good database, you need an effective online engagement platform that can do donations. And, you, and, and that's, that is a great solution, right? You're not going to gain anything by building that all on um, blockchain. I do think that some of the concepts and ideals of this decentralization are really appealing. I think especially as we see trends overall towards uh, people, you know, being in big corporate platforms, right? You're in Google Workspace, you're in Office 365. Like that's the choice. You know, we don't see organizations in in kind of third party or open source uh, or community developed solutions for email as much, you know, that we're maybe starting to see a little bit more example uh, of that, you know, for organizations or maybe privacy first to, to use some of those solutions. Um, but, you know, those effective big platforms have really uh, taken the vast majority of the marketplace and that's driving a lot of the tech innovation and enabling, I think, tremendous 
uh, efficiency and capacity, you know, for organizations to just not have to worry about their tech stack uh, and be able to focus on, um, yeah, on doing their job. So I think those are just a couple of insights that I would share uh, as it relates to kind of the cybersecurity world. And then also, you know, it's this kind of like crypto ransomware blockchain, you know, it's all kind of tied in together. Uh, and unfortunately, that does seem to be the biggest use case is, uh, you know, receiving uh, receiving fine funds so that you can like, un, you know, decrypt your, uh, your, your, your ransomware files. Yeah. So we have a question that came in on the chat, which was to discuss hardware keys and passwordless login. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So I think that is a, a, a big trend that is that the big vendors are really pushing in terms of shifting away from passwords. So I think in 2016, Microsoft published an article uh, that said, hey, like you don't need to change your password uh, every 90 days, right? But that was in 2016. And here I still see it on cyber liability insurance applications. Like, do you change your password every 90 days? And I think, yes, the market and the big vendors are going towards this kind of concept of passwordless login. Uh, using physical security keys or using your phone um, to sign in. I, I, you know, and so I think that is a way that you can make good security easy to use. And so you don't have to think of a crazy complex pass. You don't have to change it. You know, like you're able to authenticate using tools that you have. Um, and so I, I certainly am a big fan of that. That's a welcome trend. I, I also wanted to touch on, because um, I think we had a, a question one of the attendees about password managers um, and password managers is a way to like manage passwords in the organization. Um, an alternative and kind of a, a step up from that is, is single sign-on where your staff would log into a service like Okta is a very popular one. And then by logging in there, they would be authenticated into the different applications. So instead of managing passwords for everywhere somebody has to sign in, they just sign in in one place. And SSO is always going to be more secure because it's built to be secure. It's it's a single place to like monitor and manage the user's identities. Um, password managers can be a, a kind of a stopgap in a way to organize and to some degree share passwords uh, more securely. But you know, you still have all those different passwords and all those, you know, each of those is a vulnerability as well. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great, great observation. Um, I wanted to turn a little bit to this um, central heart of creating community. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about corporations and how um, you can be on, you know, like my, you can just be a Microsoft office, but then, you know, what if they discontinue a platform that you've been using or that your nonprofit is using to communicate with your volunteers or however it's working and how that can impact um, the nonprofit sector. So I think, um, Nura, you had some thoughts on uh, creating community and kind of the role of technology in that. Yes, thank you, uh, Carolyn. Certainly creating communities uh, over the years, uh, a lot of nonprofit organizations have leveraged on the big tech company solutions that are available uh, to them. For instance, Amazon had a smile donation program that uh, a lot of nonprofit took advantage of, but then all of a sudden it uh, disappeared. So uh, you can equally talk about uh, some of the uh, services that Google actually offers on its platform that it unceremoniously just uh, shuts down. 
uh, the more you invest in building a community through some of these platforms, there is a potential that some platforms may actually go away. Changes that came into Twitter, uh, you may have built work, workflows, processes, and outreach programs through Twitter, but Twitter, with the change of leadership, uh, has brought in new approaches and ways to do things. So uh, that might have impacted your nonprofit organization. So it, it, it begs the question, uh, does a nonprofit then actually invest in building its own custom tool that uh, allows it to um, build communities? Or should uh, the, let's say, communities actually look for tools that actually are reliable, that that are sustainable over the long term? So th these are some of the tough questions that uh, we are seeing. Uh, I would even mention TikTok. Uh, TikTok is one popular tool that and platform that is available, and some nonprofit actually are using it. Maybe several of them are using it. It's just the the trendiest platform of that time gives you perhaps the most outreach uh, to uh, your potential donors or your 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 potential um, customers. So it's quite interesting how. Uh, nonprofit take advantage of the big uh, corporations' uh, solutions uh, for building communities. But there's that concern that it may not be sustainable over time, and nonprofits need to be forward thinking about what is the next tool that may be uh, available that is sustainable that they could uh, take full advantage of. Thank you so much, Nora. I feel like this is a good segue into something that Pat wanted to talk about, which is the kind of tension between. Uh, corporate tools and building your own tools. So like you were saying, like, does your community find the tool that fits how your community works or do you adapt to the tool that you have? Um, so Pat, did you want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, a, a couple decades ago, if you wanted a, a solution, if you wanted like a, a CRM, you know, it was kind of a toss up between hiring a developer or trying to find an off the shelf solution, customize it. And then these, these off the shelf solutions, these, these kind of corporate solutions just became, uh, you know, specialized, like so, so different industries, you know, uh, would have different CRMs. And then they also just became better and better and more customizable. And you could kind of integrate them with other solutions. Um, and then especially with um, just everybody kind of spreading out um, you know, with, with COVID, um, you know, uh, it, it became, it, it's just become very easy within the past few years to kind of build out your own solutions. Our recommendation has, has for a long time been, um, you know, to get a standard solution, you know, these typically have like kind of the best practices built in, um, they tend to be, you know, industry standard. Um, but, you know, now you have, you have, you have, nonprofits where you'll have like a team of people who are kind of silo doing their own thing and, and trying to get their work done. And so they reach out and do their own research and, you know, find kind of their own solution or kind of cobble something together using, you know, maybe some of these like these no code or these low code solutions and, and APIs to integrate things. Um, Power Automate is a is a great example of something where you can kind of create these custom workflows to to you know, help you do your work. Um, but then you're kind of left with, with this, this kind of cobbled together solution that you've got maybe one person who, who's set it up and, and knows everything that's going on. And, uh, and they are responsible for supporting it. And, 
and if they leave the organization and you know who knows what's going to happen uh if it breaks or if it's if it's going to keep working um and and so you know that that's something you you kind of want to make sure that you're preparing for um i don't think there's necessarily a wrong answer when it comes to um kind of doing the the diy or or getting the off the shelf solution i think some of it can depend on what you need or what you want um you know and to some degree like you know there's there's also the hybrid option where you get kind of an off the shelf solution and then you get a, a developer who can help you customize it kind of what what salesforce is is based around um and it'll be interesting also to see and i i think we'll talk about this more as well like what these kind of off the shelf solutions like how they integrate kind of automation and ai and to help customize the solution um, as well. Thank you so much. I think this kind of leads into talking about like the supply chain um, issues. So if you are using a corporate platform, um, you're kind of dependent on them. And if you're using IT, you're dependent on the the, uh, supply chain. So can you talk a little bit about what you see happening with supply chain issues in the future? Yeah, so so we, you know, we serve a lot of different clients and, you know, we want our clients to use good, solid IT hardware. And so, um, you know, we try to try to encourage them to get, you know, to buy just from a, a few vendors that that we're familiar with and that we know provide really good stuff. But, you know, recently, one of the one of the vendors we like to use for um, networking equipment, Cisco Meraki, like they you, you can't get the you can't get their firewalls or their access points right now because they're going through supply chain disruptions um that are you know they've been hit with now and again um since you know covid 2019 since the pandemic um you know speaking of covid covid is still a factor you know china only just loosened their covid policies back in december um it is still around um and you know in addition to that like we we also like this just brings to mind that we don't really know what's coming next when it comes to like the the great next you know, disaster. It could be a new virus, environmental catastrophe, uh, political shocks. Um, you know, we're just entering the the 2024 election cycle here in the U.S., and we've already got pundits who are predict, predicting uh, civil unrest. Um, you know, in addition to that, you know, during COVID, a lot of organizations switched to going 100% remote, and then after the pandemic ended, they were they either stayed remote or they went hybrid. You know, one thing to to think about um, is how you know how are you responding to that in the sense of like how are you updating your policies and your procedures. Um, one non IT thing to to think about also is you know how are you maintaining your organization's culture um, if you're hiring new staff who are out of the area and you know who maybe you've been working with for months and have never met face to face. Um, you know, how do you keep that strong uh, culture at your organization? Because, you know, a lot of our clients have really great cultures, um, which is one of the draws that brings people to work there. That's great. I want to um, make sure that we've got a couple of more questions that came in. Um, and I know, Nura, you're like ready to talk about AI anytime we ask you those questions. Yeah, uh, quickly, though, artificial intelligence has been trending for the past uh, few years. And uh We've seen in in the nonprofit sector, AI-driven fundraising solutions uh, that integrate with existing CRM, uh, whether it's Salesforce or whichever CRM you use. uh, AI can actually 
do some machine learning of your existing CRM data and uh, churn out some good insights to help you with your email campaigns. Uh, in the past three months though, we have seen an evolution of AI in terms of uh, uh, having conversation with an AI, asking questions and getting responses uh, uh, in uh, one solution from OpenAI called ChatGPT has been uh, quite impressive, uh, even though we know that it's still uh, in its primitive stage, uh, it, it has uh, shown some great potential. Uh, I've heard uh, stories of uh, students actually uh, doing their homeworks <laughs> using ChatGPT. Uh, uh, some people writing their resignation letters uh, with ChatGPT composing the entire uh, letter. Uh, some sending out marketing emails. Uh, ChatGPT has its limitation. It only has data up until the 2001. Uh, Microsoft blew our minds uh, just a few weeks ago with the integration of ChatGPT in the uh, search uh, uh, solution uh, Bing, and that uh, actually has more real real time or real life uh, interaction. So you can simply, uh, if you're searching for anything, uh, just type a question and it presents uh, an answer for you in a concise format, unlike the way we've traditionally used uh, chat. So AI has shown uh, growing potential in actually being a disruptor uh, over the years. And even up until now, we are seeing that it may actually change the way we do our research using search engines. Um, but I would be wary about the ethical use of uh, AI. Uh, as, uh, it's, in, it's going to be part of our lives and uh, part of the way we work. Uh, maybe some of you that have Office 365 already have seen some AI insights to your, the way you do your work and, and so on. So uh, more to come on AI, I think we would have more sessions about the evolution of AI, uh, but it's definitely here to stay. I just wanted to go quickly to our um, learning objectives for today, which were to understand cutting edge and future IT trends for nonprofits. And maybe I should have reworded that to be be aware of because we've really, really scratched just the very tip of the surface. And so I think it's hard to, that we had several questions that come in. We're like, well, it's hard to understand how a lot of these issues are going to impact me personally, but also my organization going forward. So I would just say, reach out to your trusted IT, you know, provider. There's a big community of people online as well. And, um, you know, just stay as current as you can, which was our second learning objective was to why it's important to keep up with tech trends. Even if you're not necessarily a techie person, your organization might not be the most techie organization, but all of these issues, these wide ranging issues have such an impact on how we work and how our organizations work and what we're able to do to achieve our missions. And then I think we did uh, really well on the last objective of having a wide discussions of nonprofits of the future. You can always contact us and uh, get in touch with us about any of the topics that you heard today. There were a couple of questions that we didn't get to answer. One a great one about um, creating solutions, situations where organizations can share solutions with other communities. So if you found a tool that really works or maybe a suite of tools that is helping you do what you want to do and being better able to share that with other nonprofits. Um, so I think that's a great question. We didn't quite have time to answer it today. I'm going to let everyone go, but um, we will include some of our thoughts on these questions in the transcript. So I'll look back for that. And I just really appreciate your time today. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Pat. And thank you, Nora, for sharing these forward-looking um, ideas with us. And I, as you said, Nora, I think we've 
you've blown my mind. I think we might have blown some other people's minds, but um, hopefully we were able to give you some good information and some some ideas on what you need to look at um, in terms of IT and nonprofits. So thank you, everyone. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining this Community IT Podcast Part 2. You can find Part 1 in your podcast feed if you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Community IT does these free webinars and podcasts for our community, and we love sharing our knowledge and experience. If you have more questions or are having trouble with your IT at your nonprofit, please get in touch with us on our website, www.communityit.com, so we can start a conversation or schedule an assessment. Downloading any of our free resources there will get you signed up for our webinar reminders, and you can attend our next webinar in real time and ask our experts your own questions. If you love podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a rating to help others find this leadership resource for nonprofits.